You artists have a special relationship to beauty. Beauty, like truth, brings joy to the human heart. Beauty is an invitation to savor life and the dream of the future. Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence. Beauty is the vocation bestowed on you by the Creator. And the gift of artistic talent. None can sense more deeply than you, artists, ingenious creators of beauty that you are. That beauty will save the world. Welcome back to season two of Letter to Artists, brought to you from the vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University in Southern California. This podcast is inspired by the beloved St. Pope John Paul II's encyclical, Letter to Artists, hoping to unite a community of creative Catholics to encourage one another to use our artistic talents to impact culture for Christ. I'm your host, Bailey Garland. Today, we are joined by two animation students from JP Catholic who will be chatting all about their experiences in the world of animation and their relationship with Christ and how the two have integrated. And as always, we'll be using a quotation from JP2's Letter to Artist to guide our conversation. So here is the quote right away so you can get that in your head. The functional is always wedded to the creative impulse inspired by a sense of the beautiful and of the intuition of the mystery. These forms portray not only the genius of an artist, but the soul of a people. That is from JP2's 1999 cyclical Letter to Artists. So without further ado, I just kind of want to jump into today's episode. So we'll begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome Bridget Baker, our first guest. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Bailey? I'm doing great. Bridget, what is your favorite animated movie? We're just going to go for it right away. Okay, <laughs> This is a yeah, pretty pretty easy answer here. Um <laughs> Monsters Inc. Wow. Yeah. You had that ready. Yeah. Why? Why Monsters Inc.? Um I feel like it tells I feel like it's told in a really creative way. Like it's a children's movie about monsters that use the screams of children to like as energy. Yeah. And I feel like that's like a really creative it's like a really creative interpretation of doing a child's movie. And like, you could easily take that idea and make it like a horror movie if you right. wanted to, but like it's done in such a way that it works for kids. Yeah, it's like almost endearing, even though it could, <laughs> yeah. it could be kind of creepy. Are you a fan of the original Monsters, you know, or Monsters Inc? Or are you more of a fan of the Monsters University? I think we've had this conversation before. <gasps> really? But I do, I prefer the original. Okay. I do like Monsters University, mm -hmm. but I prefer the original. Wow, awesome. Yeah. What about then from like, uh, not not only a story perspective, but an animation perspective. Is there something that like really intrigues you about it? Of the original one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think at the time, the hair that they used um, for Sully was kind of the big um, technological advancement that they made for it. Oh, cool. Um, so I think that that was done really well. And like the hair on the abominable snowman, I think that was like the big thing that they were working towards. And I think that was a pretty big like milestone for Pixar themselves. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. that's kind of something. Were you into animation when you first saw Monsters University, or sorry, Monsters Inc., I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I I don't really know. Um, yeah. I think it was fall, it was like around the same time. Like all of the classic Pixar stuff, I think when that was coming out and when that was a lot more popular, that was when I was more into animation. So yeah, I'd say yes, around that time period. Oh, cool. Oh my gosh. Well, now that we know your, your favorite animated movie, let's jump right in and hear some more about yourself. So tell us about yourself, Bridget Baker. Yeah. So um, I guess I'm a cradle Catholic. I am from Colorado. My dad is a Catholic church architect. My mom is a nurse, but now she's a stay-at-home mom. Um, I have six siblings. I play piano. I play volleyball. 
Um, and yeah, I'm at John Paul the Great University right now. I'm going into my senior year and I'm studying computer animation and I love it. Um, I love working with the computer and doing something that's so technological, um, but also really artistic. I feel like it's a really interesting and fine line that I walk. Um, so I enjoy that. And yeah, I don't know like where I'm going to go after school. I'm still trying to figure that out, but that's where I am now. Oh, that's awesome. I was kind of thinking that too. I was like, wow, your mom was a nurse and your dad's an architect and you're like the middle ground between like math and art. <laughs> yeah, it was a big conversation when I was looking into schools, um, whether or not I was going to study architecture or do animation because my parents both knew that I had a really analytical brain and like a math brain, but I was also super artistic and architecture kind of falls in that same category. Yeah, that's super cool. And I, I think that's awesome just because I know a little bit about your dad. And I was as I was actually reading the letter to artists to pick this quote, I kept seeing architecture quotes. And I was like, I can't talk to Bridget about architecture. <laughs> no. I'll have to get her dad on one of these days. But that's awesome. So growing up like a cradle Catholic, was that, um, were, were your parents both Catholic? Did they just raise you all Catholic? Or, or how did the faith start to kind of come into your heart? Yeah, um, both of my parents were Catholic. Both of them were cradle, cradle Catholics. Um, my grandpa is a deacon and he was like a really famous deacon in our oh, area wow. so like we would go to different parishes and they'd be like oh my gosh you're like deacon baker's kids aren't you and we'd be like yeah um and then my mom uh she also grew up in a super catholic family but she's from maryland um and i think that the reason that we were able to stay so catholic and we were that we were able to like keep our faith for so long was because we said daily rosary as a family pretty often um, there were some nights where it'd be like too crazy and we couldn't say it, but I feel like the fact that we would able, that we were able to come together and say a rosary fairly consistently is kind of what draw us together. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, I think that's, that's really awesome because I find myself, it's much easier to pray a rosary when I'm praying it with someone else than when I'm by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I just feel like it's a very community prayer. I mean, it's something you can so easily say on your own, but there's something about saying it together. Right. And I think there's something important about saying it as a family too. Mm. Um, and the fact, like our rosaries, sometimes they're really prayerful, but sometimes they're not. And like, sometimes the dog is running around and sometimes somebody's like laying on the floor, but it's like, <laughs> we'll just, we'll get it done because we know it needs to get done. Um, so I don't know. I feel like the fact that, you know, we come together and sometimes we're all dreading it, but like we still do it. I think it, I don't know. It says a lot. And I think also because it's like the mother's prayer, like it's Mary. She like totally understands. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I know that they're like a baby throwing up. <laughs> She's like, but you can do it. Like, this is how, like, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, Mary, Mary will be so understanding and, and however the rosary gets prayed. Um, there was something else too. Oh, have you heard of, um, uh, Venerable Patrick Payton and the the family that prays together stays together the whole campaign. I've heard the phrase the family okay. that prays together stays together, but I don't yeah. know about. So he's everyone for everyone listening. He's actually one of my favorite up and coming saints. Air quotes that you can't see me doing. Um, Venerable Patrick Payton. There was a movie just done about him a couple years ago called Pray, the story of Venerable Patrick Payton, and he was an Irish priest um, who moved to America, and then he. I mean, just somehow the the Lord was giving him this grace and this zeal to really have this movement for a rosary campaign. And he and he had he had coined that term, the family that prays together, stays together and used it as the campaign. And I mean, he actually was very popular, but it's like it's kind of weird how 
like he just kind of got blown over Mm -hmm. in the mix and i think it's because he was around the time of jp2 and all these things and you know jp2 is just this huge name but venerable patrick payton i I would highly recommend looking him up and i was actually involved in a rosary campaign right after we watched that movie we we did one and it was awesome we got like a lot of people to pray the rosary and we did live streams and we had a website and all these things um so i would just it was really empowering to just like know that everyone we're going to unite to pray the rosary so side note side note about the rosary (laughs) okay now let's get into your animation so how did you Bridget get into animation yeah so my dad before he became an architect used to teach computer animation at CU Denver and he would take me and like my siblings in every once in a while to see what his students were working on and I always remember being like invited to the senior screenings that they were doing and I really liked the environment that was there um And I was also the kind of student who would like watch a film, but then I'd also watch the behind the scenes. And sometimes I'd I'd enjoy the behind the scenes more than the actual film itself. Um, So I think that that was part of it too. So I think it was a mixture between me just learning to appreciate all of the hard work that went on behind the scenes um, and also growing up in an environment with my dad where he was like taking me and showing me like, these are the students and this is what they're doing. and this thing like looks really cool and really pretty on the computer, but it's actually like really hard to do. So. Oh, that's cool. So what is um, animation? Can you give us a little bit of a definition? Maybe in case people don't know. Like, do you want like the process of animation or? I want both. First, what, like when, when you say animation, what are we thinking of? Okay, so there's kind of two different ways that people use the term animation. You can use it broadly to talk about the whole um, medium, like creating the whole a movie and then you can use it more specifically because there's an actual step that is called animation and that's where you're adding movement to the character or the object um but like here at jp catholic i'm an animation student but i don't do a lot of animation like i do a lot of texturing and i do a lot of lighting and modeling um which all falls under the broader category of animation um and then there's like animation which is more specific and that's just moving the object and the character. Okay, cool. So when you sit down to do something in your classes, then what does that process look like in the broad sense of animation? Um, It depends on the class. So a lot of our classes are broken up into different steps in the animation process. So usually when you're trying to make an animated film, you start with modeling the character and then you texture the character and then you rig the character and then you animate it and then you render it. So like right now I'm taking a texturing class. So he'll give us a prompt and he'll be like texture subway tiles. And then we'll have to learn how to texture subway tiles. So our, the classes are more focused on one step as opposed to doing the whole process as a whole. So So when you um, texture, is that like what we think of texture in the normal word, just on a computer, like texturing, like the feeling of, or the look of the feeling? Yeah. So it's telling the computer how can you process this image to make it look like it's fuzzy or to make it look like it's smooth? Um, and it works a lot with like um, understanding how light interacts with different objects. Oh, cool. Because when you model something in the computer, it's just completely flat. Um, and usually it's like a gray box. So in order for it to have color, in order for it to look soft or hard or rough or scratched, um, you need to make a texture that goes on top of that. Oh, that's super cool. And yeah. so then you said the next step was rigging. What What is that? So rigging is basically putting bones into the object. So when you model a character, it's just geometry. It's just like the muscle. Um, and then you texture it and that's the skin. 
and then you, rigging is adding the bones. So you have to tell the computer how is this arm going to fold? Like, is it how is it going to how far is it going to go? Is there any constraint that it has? Like, you don't want a character that has an elbow that shoots like the totally opposite direction or a head that spins, you know, in the wrong way. So you need to tell the computer how far can it go um, and how should the muscles, the geometry um, interact with the bones that you're adding on it. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And it like, it's making more and more sense to have the, that two-sided brain, like you said, like the analytical and the creative. Oh, totally, yeah. Because is there any like coding involved in the animation? Yeah, there's a lot okay. of coding. Um, what I enjoy about it is that I don't necessarily have to do a lot of the coding. Um, the computer does it for me, but you still have to understand it. Mm. So like one of the big things that's um, kind of taking over the industry right now, and we see this in video editing and we see it in game design too, is the concept of node um, and node-based softwares. Um, and those are basically visual ways of interpreting computer code. So you'll have like one box and then it's got a line and it's connected to another box. And it's almost like if this, if box number one, then box number two. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so what would be the next step after the rigging? What was it? Um, I would probably say lighting. You have to put lights in the scene. Um, and yeah, you have to understand like how to get a soft light, how to get a hard light. And there's different types that you can use. Um, so you put lights in the scene. Um, and then after that you would render it. Mm -hmm. So at, before you render it, it's just a bunch, it's just a computer file. So rendering it actually spits out an, it spits out an actual image oh, and cool. it determines like a lot of it is based off of real life physics and real life um, math. So when you render, it'll like take into account like how accurate is this light going to be um, under the settings that you put. Oh, that's so interesting. I've never really heard like the whole process before. Yeah. And like, I'm missing steps too. Like, yeah. that's just, like that's just kind of like an overview of like doing a character, but. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's already awesome. I remember one time I was in um my very first like communication class in college and we did, we had to do like um, a how-to speech and I did mine on the Pixar animation process. Why? I have <laughs> no idea, absolutely no clue. But I still think back and I'm like, I was saying things that I had literally, I had no idea. I was just like an actor who could memorize the script. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like remembering these things, but like I had no idea what they meant. Yeah. Um, which is really funny, but. So yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to like hear you actually speak about it and explain it from like someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what have you gotten to, while you, um, during your time here, have you gotten to, do any projects or help out on any 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 projects that you've been really proud of or have brought you like favorite moments or challenges of animation? Um, I think one of the ones that I'm most proud of that kind of fits into what we were tying, uh, what we were talking about yeah. was my, I did a robot project my freshman year. Um, so I modeled a robot, textured it, and then rigged it. Did a, I did the whole process. And I really enjoyed that project because it gave me a sense of um, how does the process work as a whole. And it also helped me realize like I couldn't do the whole thing. Um, it helped me realize that animation is such a, it's like a team building thing. Like you need to have a bunch of people who are really good at texturing, a bunch of people who are really good at lighting. Like it's very hard to do the whole thing and to do it all really well because um, you're just not going to get that same level of quality. Yeah, that's awesome to like rely on the strengths of, of everyone and even finding within yourself, like what are you really good at to contribute? Yeah, for sure. What did you find that's like your kind of favorite part or what you're good at? I really like 
rendering and I like lighting. I like seeing the whole image come together. Um, some of the other processes can get really tedious. And if you're into that and if you're super meticulous about things, like you can enjoy that. Um, but for me, like seeing the whole image come together is probably one of my favorite parts. Oh, that's cool. And then what do you find? I mean, I guess you kind of just said it, but what do you find is like the most challenging when you're going through the whole process? Um, I don't know. A lot of people say rigging. I mean, if I was going to speak for like the other animation students, they a lot of them would say rigging is really hard. Um, that doesn't mean it always is. Like sometimes I'm rigging and it's not that bad. Um, I think a lot and like I think other artists will struggle with this too but it's like coming up with the concept and how do you know that the idea that I have is something that other people are going to want to see um and like is the design that I have appealing does it make sense is it going to read well um I know that that was something that I noticed when I saw some of the other robot projects like if you need to be able to tell something and communicate that clearly and well and you need to determine like right away is that going to be something that the audience is going to understand what's happening or is that character going to look in a way that is appealing, that they'd want to continue watching whatever story or whatever little short that you're doing with that character? So is is animation like more character based? Like when you look in, when you're kind of coming up with a story or a reason for creating something, is that where you go to first or is character work? Um, personally, I don't care that much for story and character. Like I know that there's people who like really, really enjoy that. I just like the process and I like working with the computer. Um, and I think that it's, I don't know, I just think it's a unique way of doing art. Um, for other people, yeah, character is like where they start and where they go. Um, I know character design is something a lot of people are really interested in. And it is really important. Like you can't have a good story if you don't have a good character. Like I am. nobody's going to want to watch it if your character is awful. Um, so yeah, for other people, yes, character is like a big thing for me I just like working with the computer so you kind of like delivering on the idea of someone's character yeah for sure <laughs> well that's kind of cool um oh my gosh yeah this has been so interesting I'm gonna kind of pivot us now uh, and remind everyone of our letter to artist quote but just a short recap of what we were just talking about we've got Bridget Baker with us and she's been talking a lot about um, the process of animation the different skeleton steps of the overall work and um, and how it's kind of a creative and technical uh, field, which is really cool. So now we're at the halfway point and we're going to jump into our JP2 quote. So just a reminder, this is from St. John Paul II's letter to artists in 1999 encyclical. The functional is always wedded to the creative impulse, inspired by a sense of the beautiful and of the intuition of the mystery. These forms portray not only the genius of an artist, but the soul of a people. So Bridget, I'd just like to invite you to um, give us any personal reflection that that when, when you read this quote, how it jumped out at you specifically in kind of relation to animation. Yeah. Um, when I read this, the phrase that I really liked was the intuition of mystery. And I feel like that's something that definitely applies for animation and it applies for like other artists as well. Um, but you're given like you're given a tool, like we're given the computer um, and sometimes you're given a character, you're given a model, um, and you don't know like where it's going to go. And I feel like for me, like that's really exciting because you don't know like what's going to, what's going to come out of it. Um, so yeah, I liked the phrase, the intuition of mystery. Um, this also kind of reminded me like animation itself is really similar to 
like God and him giving like him animating life. Like there's a parallel between us as animators who are given like an object or a character and we have to like give it life and do it in a way that is appealing and that speaks to the character, speaks to whatever narrative you're trying to say. Um, so I think that that related to like God animating Adam and Eve and like animating us is something that's really unique that you don't really see in a lot of other mediums, like painting, it's all still, um, sculpture, it's all still film is moving, but like as an animator, you're actually moving the character. Um, if you're doing film or if you're doing acting, like you become the character. Um, so I think for us, um, for animation and for game, I think that it's, we kind of have a unique perspective in that sense. Oh, absolutely. And I think it was cool because I, I noted that you said you kind of start with like a gray block or a gray, would you say block or blob? Totally, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really cool because I think I've only seen, again, like seen very briefly animation stuff like once. And um, you were talking about you're playing with light and the way that it hits the object. Um, and I think that's really beautiful because I remember hearing a reflection from someone and she said that in like, whether this is true or not, it helped my prayer life. So <laughs> she said like that in heaven, there are no shadows. It's everything is like light is transcending through us. There's nothing to block the light. And I think that's really cool because in animation, it's still a, a worldly thing. So there's, there's gotta be shadow and light playing, but making something beautiful out of like directing the light. Um, and so I thought, I thought that was really cool. And when you were saying the intuition of the mystery, I felt like that's like you're pulling out, like you said, the life, you're animating life out of this just randomly gray blob. So you're seeing much more deeply into the thing than just yeah. this gray block. Yeah. I feel like you're given more, um, yeah, you're given more control over creating an entire world and an entire environment that you don't get with a lot of other mediums. Oh yeah. And then I really loved in this quote, how it says the, the, these forms portray not only the genius of an artist, but the soul of a people. Um, and I was thinking of going back to like our Monsters Inc. conversation, um, like how not only does animation capture the genius of an artist, like you said, you guys are the ones, it's different than that film because in film you have an actor who's still in control of his or her movements, even if there's a director guiding them on where to step. Um, but you guys are almost like those puppet masters. So if the, if the, I mean, the actor controls the voice of the, the, pu the puppet air quotes again, people can never see my air quotes and the puppet then, um, but you, you as the animator have the, the right to like actually move the creature or the, the character everywhere. So I think it shows the genius of an artist, you guys who are creating it, but the soul of a people, like you said, it takes many people to create this animation and the fact that whatever story you're telling, it's portraying these ideas of a community mm -hmm. yeah do you have any like thoughts off of that as like creating a story I guess with people or like you I know you said that you like kind of just working on somebody's idea better but have you had that collaborated collaboration yeah no I do I do see what you're saying and I agree like the yeah the idea of a soul of a people that's definitely expressed in animation because when you're creating art regardless of the medium you put a little bit of yourself in it and for animation because it requires so many people and because you're bringing life to an inanimate object, um, it definitely reveals something of those people. And I think you see that in a lot of new films. Like you could, I feel like you can easily watch a film nowadays and kind of guess what type of people worked on that film based on like the thing that they produced. So the fact that people can like 
come together and create something and put a little bit of themselves in it, but then create something that's uniquely theirs and still cohesive, I think is really powerful. Oh, that is. And yeah, that's actually really cool. <laughs> I didn't even think about it like that, but you totally can. It's it's like a mirror kind of reflecting that, that like the soul of the community that built it. Um, but going back to you, Bridget, how has your calling um, as an animation artist kind of been a catalyst for your relationship with God? Um, it's definitely given me a lot of time to reflect on what's important to society and like reflect on what are the skills that God has given me? What are the interests that he's given me and how can I give back to the community in a way that I feel is important and in a way that I feel um, is going to speak to the culture that we're in right now. And I've always enjoyed animation and like I was really unsure if like this was the path that I wanted to take, but as time went on, I've learned and like, especially with prayer, with prayer and praying to God that he wants me here um, and that it's really important to explore these different types of mediums because it's a way that we are communicating with each other and there's definitely a need for it even if people might not necessarily see it right away like most people might say oh you're studying animation you're only going to go into film I mean that's true I can go into film but like there's a lot of other things that I can do with that as well like advertising and marketing um, video editing and like product um, like product design stuff like that um so I think for me it's been learning how to adopt like the new culture and the new technology and appreciate the skills that God has given me in order to do that oh yeah and I think letting like the the skills and the talents like kind of guide you into where God is calling you because I know I don't know if it was animation, but I remember you did, um, didn't you do an internship with the Augustine Institute? I did. Yeah. It was, it was mostly animation. Yeah. Like how was that experience? Because that was, that was different than what you're doing here. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It was a little bit different. So I was doing a lot of motion graphics stuff for them. Okay. Um, I did do some character animation and 3d animation for a kid's animated show that they have. Um, so some of that was similar, but I mean, like, that's a great, like, that's a great example of things that I can be doing that give back to the community and still relate in a way that our culture responds to. Like so much of our culture is digital right now. Right. So I think it's important for us to be able to understand the tools that we're given and to use them in a way that's going to be beneficial to like ourselves, to society and like impacting culture for Christ. Right. And I truly believe that's where we find our little vocation is where our desires meet the will of God and serve the community. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it sounds like you're 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 discovering that right now, and the and the different ways you can do it. Because I think a lot of times we get stuck, and like you said, we get narrow minded and being like, "Oh, animation, we can do film." But you're like, "That's that's like one yeah. fourth of what I could be doing." Um, and I really think to broaden our mindset and being like, "Where are all the pieces in my life where this skill, even if it's not directly animation, like, I mean, motion graphics is different, isn't that like graphic design and animation kind of combined?" Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so I'm like, I I mean, that's a a great skill that you have some insight into because of the skills that you've learned, but it's not exactly what you were going in here for. Right. And I feel like a lot of people and like, I've realized that talking to other film students, people who are studying art in college right now, um, it's really hard to communicate that to other people. And it's a lot of people don't understand that. And there's like, I could get an animation degree and not even do animation right. and I'll still use my degree because I want to make sure that I understand the technology that's out there and the technology that interests me and how I can communicate ideas to the culture and to different people. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely hard for a lot of people to kind of embrace that. And like you said, I'm learning to do that right now. Yeah. And I just think, cause I think a lot of times, right. We want, um, maybe it's our pride. Maybe it's just our desire to do something, you know, great with our lives, which is a beautiful desire. The first one to like advocate for, you know, be not afraid. Don't be satisfied with mediocrity, but it's also how is the Lord calling us to be great in the small ways, like taking that gift and, and maybe not going to Hollywood, but going into community A or community B and using those skills in animation to make something great and, and go into the deep of that community to really uplift the heart of, or that company or whatever. And I think um, we sometimes get blindsided by that. We forget that like we can still be fully fulfilled in this like right where we're planted kind of or like right where we're going. I don't know if that makes sense, but no. I just think, yeah, like you could do animation anywhere and, and have a really successful life doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, what you said totally makes sense. And I feel like that's really intentional. Like I've been reading St. Catherine of Siena recently. Wow. And she talks a lot about how God places you with specific people in your life. And I've just been reflecting on that. Like he wants you where you are and he wants you to interact with the people that he's put in your life. And so sometimes that is like, for me, it's studying animation at JP Catholic and right. learning to work with my peers and to love them and um, stuff like that. So I think you're totally right. Like how can you learn to embrace where you are in the small place and not necessarily feel overwhelmed by trying to reach some super like prestigious animation company. Right. That like the Lord might not even be calling you to like some people are called to like go and be the voice in front of a million people. Yeah. But it's like, sometimes we're called to just be a voice in front of one. And we have to be okay and know that God can make us a saint either way. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess kind of pivoting off that and, and we're coming up to our time here, but what, what is some advice that you can give to a Catholic animation or student or Catholic artist um, trying to pursue their gift while staying integrated in their faith, right? Because you're living it right now as a college student and artist you're growing in your faith. What What's something that's been helpful for you to kind of marry the three? I think you need to learn how to trust yourself and to like trust your instincts. So for me, it was learning how it was coming to appreciate the fact that these are the skills that God has given me and trying to learn to pursue, pursue that, even if that might not necessarily be what other people are pursuing. And even if it's kind of unconventional, um, so I think for me, it's learning for me, it's helped to learn like what I enjoy and just accept that I might be put in a really crazy situation. Like um, John Paul, the great university isn't a traditional college. Like right. it's, it's, it's a little different. Um, but I think like learning to roll with the punches and like trust that you have a passion for something and God's going to do something with that. And you don't know what it is going to be, but learning to roll with it and just accept where you are and appreciate the people who you're with and the people that are around you. Um, it's helped me a lot. So that's what I would say. Yeah. And I think like something too, that is beautiful. Yeah. With, with our non-traditional campus here is that we do have a community where like the sacraments are encouraged or like you, you've surrounded yourself with, with again, air quotes, the right people, the right people, you know, mm -hmm. to keep you on tracking and your faith. And I think that's something really beautiful as well. Um, but yeah, with any final thoughts, Bridget Baker, about the art or anything? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, yeah. I would say if you're interested in it, do some research. It's definitely more technical than people think that it is. Um, but it's super cool. And if you're into it, like stick with it and do it because not a lot of people have that skill. And it's definitely needed. And 
it's needed in a lot of different ways. So, mm, well, thank you, Bridget, for being with us today and cool. for sharing our, your time and all of your wisdom with us. Oh, thank you, Bailey. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. All right. Thank you everyone for joining us. Um, we will be back shortly with our second guest. So stay tuned. If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station, 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas, Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone. You just heard from Bridget Baker, an animation student here at JP Catholic, all about the wonderful projects, all of the wonderful insights um, between animation and her relationship with God. Also, a little bit about her her music career. So, um, a gal of many talents. Um, it was a real blessing to have her on. So now in the second half of the interview, we're going to turn to Mark Pagaduin. Um, and he is also an animation student here at JP Catholic. Um, a lot of different things for him too, but um, I would just like him to share his own journey. So welcome, Mark. Thank you, Bailey, for having me. Of course. I'm so excited I finally have you on. I know you've been kind of a big follower of the Letter to Artists Definitely. Podcast. Yeah, I've been following ever since you first started about a year ago. Yeah. It's crazy, right? It is crazy. And I think it has had almost exactly a year. I think we've got like two weeks left on our one year anniversary. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty that's cool. That's awesome. Thanks, Mark. And I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad you're finally on the show. I know you've taken a lot of interest. So thanks for being a, a no big problem. fan. <laughs> well, the people are here to, to hear about your animation stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's start with just a, a random icebreaker question. What is your favorite animated movie? Oh, boy. <laughs> that's a really good question, Bailey. Well, growing up, I had two favorite films, Obi Shrek and The Road to El Dorado. But now that I'm older, it's going to be the new Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, really? Why? Um, it beat out Shrek? It did beat out <laughs> Shrek. I'm so sorry to all the Shrek fans out there. <laughs> but just the cast, like Chris Pratt, he's my all-time favorite actor right now. And like the animation also is just amazing. Like The scene, comparing the animation between Shrek, which was in t- released in 2001, comparing it to the new the, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which released this year, this comparing the animations to then and now, it's just so much improvement. Oh, really? Can mm-hmm. you give us a little insight into that? What, what would make it better? I would say like technology-wise, because back then, it was like in the 90s, what Toy Story at 3D animation, it was... It was just at its peak. So it's the animation was not really the best, but 
it was like, like I said, it was st- still trying to get to its peak, right? Until Shrek was one of the f- films that made it like get over that. What do, what would you say? Like get over that bump or the hill. Mm-hmm. And after that, all kinds of good 3D animation films follow, like How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, the sequels to Toy Story, and then eventually Super Mario Brothers. That's awesome. Um, are you like an original Super Mario Bros. fan? Like, do you play the games or anything? I actually did play a few of the games. So I'm more of a Donkey Kong fan. I'm oh, sorry, really? Mario. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, that's. I think it's so interesting to hear people's different perspectives. I am a Shrek fan, but yeah, I would know definitely. nothing about animation. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so to be able to compare in, in an actual critical way, I would have no idea. But um, well, th- thank you. Th- that's awesome. I, I'm sure we'll touch back on that later as you talk about the animation process and such. But why don't we just hear a little bit about about yourself? Who is Mark Pegaduin? Oh, that, <laughs> let's see. Um, I was born and raised in San Jose, California. So it's in the northern area of California, the Bay Area, capital of the Silicon Valley. I am the son of Ray and Marie Pagaduin, and I have one older brother named Joseph. Oh, wow. And did you go to Catholic schools your whole life? Did you con- like convert to the faith? Um, I was born and raised Catholic, went to a Catholic school from kindergarten to 12th grade called Thomas More. And it wasn't until 2009. I was Catholic, but it wasn't like practicing Catholic. All we know, like my parents, we need to go to mass on Sunday or Saturday evening. And after that, we were like, okay, we're good to go. The rest of the week, we're just like, like doing our own things. Right. Didn't really talk about our Catholic faith that much. Mm-hmm. But like I said, 2009, that's when it took a peak. We went to a traditional Latin mass. We were invited. And after we went to that Latin mass, my parents made a decision like, Mark, Joseph, we need to go start going here now. We need to start taking our Catholic faith seriously. And ever since we had like a rebirth and then we loved their Catholic faith ever since. Wow, how beautiful that that was something just struck in your parents' heart that they really were inflamed by the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And to be able to share that with you guys, to have the courage to say, okay, like this is a family thing now. Definitely. Did you see a growth in like your family relationship by growing in your faith? I would definitely say that. We were always like very close together ever, ever since I was younger. But I think what that reverts to our Catholic faith, it made us even more stronger, especially now that I'm older, going here to a Catholic school, like visiting my, visiting my parents back at home or they visit me. It's like I feel like more close to them now because it, they raised me up t- when I was like younger. But now that I'm older, I'm more independent wise. So they, they definitely helped out. Yeah, and everything. I, I think it's a, a true vulnerability to be able to talk about our faith and, and our relationship with God with people. So how beautiful that you can do that with your parents. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then how about your brother? You said he's older or younger? He is two years older than me. Two years older. Oh my gosh, that's cool. So do you guys have a good relationship? We do. Yeah. He's two years older than me, but he has autism. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother, God rest her soul, she told me when I was younger, like, Mark, I know that he's older than you, but you need to be the younger or the older brother to him because of his situation. I didn't really understand what she meant back then, but now that I'm older, I understood because he's very slow at like learning things. He always needs someone to like watch over him so that he doesn't make any like mistakes. So Mm -hmm. that's where I come in and help him out. Oh, that's awesome. So you guys have probably a deep trusting relationship. Definitely. Oh my gosh. Is he, is he a fan of your animation and things like that? (laughs) I would say he is. I need to show him more. So yeah. 
Oh, well, that's great. And, and now that led you here, that Catholic faith integrating with education and your mm-hmm. love for animation led you here to JP Catholic. Was it, um, kind of all of those things combined or, or how did you end up here in, in Southern California? Um, it was, let's take it back a notch. So back to 2020, I think the fall of 2020, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. All I did was after I graduated from high school, which was back in 2018, I just wanted to go to junior college, try to figure things out. So I took junior general ed and my dad was the one who ta- ta- taught me about this school or told me about this school. He said, hey, Mark, I'm listening to Catholic Radio one Monday morning, and he heard about this school called John Paul the Great Catholic University in Escondido. I was like, really? Like, you should try it out. It's really interesting. They have, like, all kinds of different programs there, graphic design, animation, film there. And I did my research later that day, and I saw a lot of interesting, like, programs there. I was, like, trying to figure out, like, what do I want to do? Like, film looks interesting, but I'm not really a film person. And graphic design... That was also artistic, but I don't think I fit that category. But then animation, ever since, like I said, I always loved animated films like Shrek and now Super Mario. It just made me, it just struck a light in my head and said, hey, maybe I could do this as a career, maybe. So so what kind of led you, um, had you done any animating before you got here or no? To be honest with you, no, wow. I had never done any animation so was it just something um, that interests you because of your love in films? Were you into drawing at all or anything else that maybe hinted towards animation? Um, I think it's more of just a creative way of telling a story. That's what one of my animation professors here at the school said. So yeah, like Shrek, his journey from living in a swamp to like rescuing the princess and eventually marrying her. That's like an interesting story, like a fairy tale type of story. So Right, and sometimes it's it's... Not, I don't want to say easier, but it's an, an interesting way to show it when it's animated as opposed to like re- real life with Definitely. all the special effects and everything like that. It's mm-hmm. sometimes more believable because Definitely. the whole world is crafted. Definitely. That's cool. So um, when you got here, where, how did you even begin? Was it nerve wracking or, or what class did you start that you were kind of solidifying? Like, yeah, this is something I want to do, especially coming in kind of cold turkey. Mm-hmm. I would say I was excited the first class of animation was 3D Fundamentals for Professor Holbert. And when I got into that class, I was so excited. Like, okay, I'm actually going to do animation for the first time. But after like the first, let's say, three to four classes, it started being a challenge to me. I was like, oh boy, do I really want to do animation now? Like like I said, I didn't have any background in animation. I thought it was going to be like an easy like road to, to go on. But after like learning a bunch of like processes and steps it was really a challenge for me but thanks by the by the grace of god i was able to get over that those sacrifices and challenges thanks to like good professors and also friends yeah would you mind sharing more specifically like what was something about the like the process in animation that started to become difficult i would say like creating the character i'm currently taking a hard service modeling class and this creating like characters from like from scratch it was just trying to figure out like how, how do i do this like creating an object or creating or like creating arms for my robots it was really difficult like controlling sometimes the robot wouldn't like work the way i wanted it to work so it's like 
this character movement in general and just creating like the perfect model of anime of my robot yeah because it's kind of there's a lot going on with animation right because you've got the technology you've got the creative aspect coming from the mind of the animator and then it's like kind of manipulating the technology to do what you want to do can you speak a little bit to the animation process i know we had we had bridget give us somewhat of a lowdown in in the first half but maybe you know everyone's different so you'll fill in some blanks perhaps just like going through the process of animating okay i know that's a broad question but where would you start where would one start in animating i would say i like looked up on the internet for this for like a feature film it starts off with getting ideas so there's a team that comes in they think of a story like okay what type of story do we want to tell to the audience and then once they have an idea they would give it to the script writers they would write a script obviously they need to do some edits and rewrites so that they can get the perfect story and then after that they do they go to the storyboarding so they they hire artists and drawers to like post the stories on the on the storyboard and figure out the scenes and after that they would lay out okay which team is going to do what like the modeling hard surface modeling environmental designs that's the thing about animation there's all kinds of different steps or fields of animation like hard surface modeling if you want to create like a car or a radio or a tv and then there's the environmental design which is like the forest area city landscape and then rigging is the is the skeletons where they so that the the characters can move around and eventually animating which i'm going to get into cr- telling a story and is animating um almost like i've been reflecting a lot on genesis lately because i was in an old testament class but um and and i found something so interesting is that god this is a little bit of a tangent but i think it really relates so mm-hmm. <laughs> god always creates the space and then fills it with life so it's like day one he, oh I'm, now i'm gonna butcher it because i'm on the spot but um you know, he creates like this, the sky or the light, you know, the light in the day and the night, the, he creates the sky, um, on day two and the skies and the seas. And then on day three, he creates the land and vegetation, but then day four, he fills it with the stars and the moon and mm-hmm. then the like fish of the sea and then the animals of the land. And so it's like, he creates the space. And then with man, he creates the body, then breathes the life into the soul. And I find that cool with animation kind of a yeah. parallel there of like, you have to create that solid figure, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm following it correctly, and then breathe the life or you, you start to actually animate it and make it move in, in a sense. That's definitely correct. Like, I never thought about that. That's really interesting. I thought that was so cool. I didn't even think about it until right now because mm-hmm. I'm actually, we're in we're in finals here at, at JP Catholic. And definitely. Um, yeah, I was, I was reflecting on that paper. And so I thought that was really cool, but um, sorry, were you in the middle of the tasks? Oh, uh, no, <laughs> I, I think, wasn't. I think that's awesome. So when you're animating, um, what is, when you've been given now a project or an assignment in class, mm-hmm. um, do you go through a similar process, even just for like character building or like you, you get your ideas and, or is it like you just are given a prompt and start making something? I would say like just ideas. If I like, for example, my portfolio, I just find something either on the web or see someone on the street and I just think like, hey, maybe I can make this into animation. So for example, if it's just a character walking, it's easy to put the the rigs and the animation for the character to walk, but there has to be a story. Like, why is he walking? Like if I'm giving a script 
It says the man is walking from one side of the screen to the other. Why is he walking? He's walking because it's raining, he's late for work, and he doesn't want to get his jacket dirty. This following the script of the story, that's what makes animation creative. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting too of, we were talking a little bit earlier of like maybe the choice to make something animated versus live action. Mm-hmm. Have you guys talked about that at all? Like why is this being told in an animated way? Have you ever like explored that question? I would say it's, what, what would you say? Maybe there's more things in animation that they could do rather than live action. Cause I feel like budget wise, that could be one reason too. And also it's easier to create something on, on the web or not the web, but the computer or the animation platform mm-hmm. so that they could, especially if it's like a sci-fi, like space fantasy wise, yeah, it's probably very expensive to create in live action. Whereas in animation, you just create it on the um, animation platform and then you have that fantasy like spaceship or something. Yeah. So it really kind of opens up that world for mm-hmm. creativity because it's like, you know, easier to film something or <laughs> it's not so easy to film something in space, but it's pretty not easy, but it's doable to yes. be able to create that space in an animated way. Correct. Um, so do you prefer 2d or 3d animation? I prefer 3d animation mm-hmm. 2d. It's, I know it's old school. Like we see it in, um, Snow White, the Disney classic films to my second favorite animation film, The Road to El Dorado. But I don't really see myself going into 2D. It's it's old school. It's cool and all, but I'm more of a 3D artist. Mm -hmm. Is that just because of the way that it looks? You like that better? Or um, is it something in the construction of it? I think more in the construction of it, especially nowadays. A lot of the films are 3D animated, so... It yeah. just, it's like a bigger business to get Definitely. into. And yeah, that's, and that's, is that what you're mostly learning in your classes here as well? Yes. Okay, that's cool. So what's kind of been your favorite part of animate, of like the animation that you've been learning? I would say this being part of a team in a, a creative way to tell in a story. Like I said, like anything I see out there, a character running, one of my latest animation reels was dialogue. So I had a friend of mine record a line for me. And then after recording that line, I would animate it into my character. So, and it takes a long time for me to animate it because it's easy for like, if it's just a sock puppet, it's just opening and closing. But for the actual dialogue and animation, there's like different vowels and facial expressions. So that was a challenge. I, like I always want my animation to be perfect, especially the field I want to get into. If I want to get hired by like Sony or DreamWorks, I want to show them the best of the best animated portfolios so that they can say like, okay, we want to hire this guy because he dedicated a lot of his time in making sure his projects are are good to go. And yeah. That's so cool. I've never thought about even just like the slightest movement of the mouth. Like I'm thinking now of like the anime, like Frozen, for example, like there's Mm -hmm. so much talking in that movie and each that's so is that like a different command at every mouth movement can you like copy commands or is it like you have to go one by one with dialogue i would say it depends like sometimes it's easy to do this one by one but there's times where if especially if they're talking really fast like there's no time for like okay when does the character like take a deep breath or stop moving his mouth but it's 
once you get used to it, it it gets pretty easy. Okay, because I was gonna say that's crazy. Like thinking of every line. That's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure getting used to it doesn't make it easy, but it just makes mm-hmm. it a little easier. Air quotes that the people can't see me do. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, that is so. Because you think about it, even in our brains, like how many muscles are moving mm-hmm. in order for us to talk and yeah. then to actually command a computer to do that. It's really a puppetry. I think that's mm-hmm. so that's so interesting. I'm thinking about that now. But um, yeah, so had there been um, maybe a project that you've worked on that you've been particularly proud of or have um, any memories that you'd like to share about it? I would say I was part of a senior project, Grace's senior project called The Goose Queen. That was pretty fun to do. All I did was create the main character, Nora, run. The story is like she's looking for like a lost like treasure or something with the with a goose queen. So she was looking for a treasure and apparently she finds it, but then in the process, the, the, the queen, the goose, decides to chase her out. It's basically like an Indiana Jones adventure type. So. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So were you um, drawn to, to tell the story? Is that why you did yes, it? Yes, definitely. The animation of it. So I only have like two scenes. So it's just Nora running to the goose queen's um, nest. And yeah. Is that normally how projects are assigned? I, I know we were talking earlier about like you're on different teams for like the environmental versus the hard modeling. Mm-hmm. But um, is it broken up by scenes usually when it's delivered to someone even in that? Yes. Like world? So, mm-hmm. Like there's other people on the project that are like, like I said, an- environmental. So they're in charge of this, of the environment, the scene, like since the scene was inside a castle or a cave, if I'm not mistaken. And then there's... The, the hard surface modeling like like the egg the goose queen's egg and then there's the character modeling like nora the goose queen and then yeah i yeah i'm i'm really intrigued because um i'm thinking we're a little bit we're almost or just over halfway through our interview and i i want to touch base on the on the letter to artist quote um but i really like to talk more about too what i mentioned earlier about the um the genesis kind of thoughts of the Old Testament, especially with what you just said. So really quick, I'm going to remind everyone what the letter to artist quote was. That is, the functional is always wedded to the creative impulse inspired by a sense of the beautiful and of the intuition of the mystery. These forms portray not only the genius of an artist, but the soul of a people. Um, and Mark, I there's something really, I feel like I have a, a lot of reflection on this, but before I dive into it because I sometimes can get on a roll. I want to hear from you. What what kind of struck you in this passage? I would say there's two quotes from it I would say are very interesting. The genius of an artist. I feel like anyone can be an artist as long as they put time and effort into it because I feel like nowadays people tend to be not really putting enough efforts into their works. They just like, oh, Here's animation or just any art. That's it. I'm done, you know, compared to other people who actually took like hours to like make sure this animation work is perfect and presentable to people because they want people to be interested, drawn to what type of story they're trying to tell to the audience. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. And we, we maybe sometimes lose that intention intentionality mm-hmm. um, with what we're creating or like what we're um, 
I think forming to give life. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm, I want to go with it too. I, the first time I read it, um, I had a much different kind of viewpoint about it than I do now. And I think it's really because of that old Testament. That was a really Holy spirit moment. Just, mm-hmm. um, I just, I'm going to read the quote again, but the functional is always wedded to the creative impulse inspired by a sense of the beautiful and an intuition of the mystery. And I think that is so interesting because in God's air quotes, animation of Adam, right? He, he created the functional body. Um, I think wedded to the creative impulse is really powerful because then God breathed life into Adam. He gave him a personality. He gave him, you know, likes, dislikes, the ability mm-hmm. to name all of the animals, to see them and to recognize them, understand them, the, the ability to ache for Eve, right? The um, And then inspired by a sense of the beautiful and the intuition of the mystery. And I think that's really cool, right? Because Adam didn't know that God was going to create Eve. He didn't know but there was an intuition of the mystery that was embedded in the creative impulse of Adam. Um, But also the functionality of his body, right. Would reflect in the different body parts and the complementarity of men and women would reflect that something was missing. So I think that's really cool. And these, so going back to the quote, these forms portray not only the genius of an artist, but the soul of a people. And I think then that form of Adam reveals God's, genius and obviously we're made in the image and likeness of God. So it reveals the genius of him, meaning that he is the creator. He's able to create and give life, but also the soul of God, because we are created in the image of God and it's the heart of, of the Lord, right? Calling us back to himself to be able to the two become one, to become the image of God. Um, and I think that's really cool with animation because what you guys are doing are taking those different parts. You said the mm-hmm. environment, creating the space and then filling it with life to reflect the story, the soul of the people yes. that are wanting to tell. And I just thought that was so cool, like mm-hmm. how that paralleled. But do you have any reflection off that? I like the soul of people through story because a lot of stories nowadays, there's not really a meaning or a message. Like, for example, there's a good story movie that I watched over 10 years ago called The Pirates Band of Misfits. It's a stop motion animated film. I just remember just watching it as a kid. I just wanted to watch it because it's a 2D, well not 2D, it was a stop motion film and it's been a while since I've seen a stop motion film since Wallace and Gromit. And after the movie, my mom asked me and my brother like, hey, do you understand the message of the story? And me and my brother just looked at each other and were like, no, what's the message? It's, and she said that where is it? I wrote it here that we understand that the main character who's the pirate captain was envy of people around him. He's very jealous. He wanted to be pirate of the year. So every year he tried to get this um, award, but he always failed to do so. And he was also prideful about it. But in the end, he changed, he had a change of heart. It, it wasn't matter. It didn't matter for him if he got this award or not, as long as he had friends around it. They always supported him through the ups and downs of life, but he just wanted more. And there was a time where in the film that his fans or his, his group of pirates abandoned him because he was, he's like, I don't need you anymore. This is what I want. I want this material award rather than my friends. And then at the end of the film, he learned that I made a mistake. You are my friends. You are this great reward, not just material trophy. Mm. That, yeah, that's, it's so crazy how movies can, you know, animated, live action, any type kind of uplift our soul to, to different themes like that. Um, 
And I'm wondering too, with, with that kind of teaching those in, the, in that human formation, right? Learning your mom's asking, what, did you, what did you, did you learn the message and things like that? How has your journey with animation aided or been a catalyst for your relationship with God or aided in your human formation? Do you remember like that film, anything that has kind of struck out to you in your, in your growth as a college student and, and really propelled you closer to Christ through that creative gift? I would say it helped me be more closer to God, especially here at this school. It's a Catholic school. I'm very glad because there's just a lot of like film schools out there. They're just missing that Christ-like aspect. We are very grateful to have this Christ-like aspect in our school compared to like other universities because there's more just focusing on like, okay, your career, that's it. Once you're done with the school, it's over. But here we have like daily mass every day, confessions, adoration, rosary. And, and I feel like that really helps balance our time, especially when there's times where projects and studies can be like overwhelming and you there's times you want to throw in the towel and say, I give up. But God's always there waiting in that chapel for you to visit him. Yeah. So it's really been kind of a gift to have the sacraments supplementing for lack of a better word your education as well whereas really it's your education supplementing your spiritual life and I think you're kind of like learning that as you've gone along here like Mm -hmm. I came here for education but I'm really here centered on the sacraments and my education is flowing out of that prayer that I'm asking the Lord you know what what am I to do and and that's really that's really beautiful um so what is some advice that you would give to a catholic animation student trying to pursue their gift while staying integrated in the faith I would say don't give up. Always um, start early in your animation. Don't wait for the last second to do your animation works. But also like take time to like take a break and spend time with God, especially in the Blessed Sacrament or just in short prayer. Because I know it can be overwhelming just keep working, working on your animation, making sure you want it to be perfect, presentable. But this give more time take a break for like 10, 15 minutes, spend time with the Lord. And then after that, take a deep breath and get back to work and also ask for help. There are a lot of animation students out there that are willing to help you get a, become a better animator and also professors too. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being here and joining us. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Of course. Do you mind just ending us in a prayer? Sure. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for allowing me to be on this episode of Letters to Artists. Please bless our wonderful guest, me, obviously, and also our wonderful host, Bailey Guardian, for all the work she has done for this program. And also bless all of our listeners and animators in the world. We also ask our Blessed Mother and saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. John Paul the Great. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for joining us here at Letter to Artists. For all of our listeners out there, if you missed any of our show today or just want to catch an encore of the show, we are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. So we're still um, on the radio. We've got some great partners who I will um, 
well, who I'm very happy to, to be partnering with, um, which I don't have the list of names in front of me right now, but I want to thank all of the, those partners. But if you want to catch us on um, podcasts as well, we are uh, on all those platforms. Just type in Letter to Artists. You can also find out more about the show by following us on Instagram, Letter to Artists Pod. Um, that is Letter to Artists P-O-D. So please follow us. We want to hear from you and hear your thoughts on the show. If you're a Catholic artist wanting to share, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you as a guest and keep these conversations going. We really want to build up our community of creative Catholics. Letter to Artists is proudly brought to you by John Paul the Great Catholic University, hoping to encourage you to use your talents to impact culture for Christ. I'm your host, Bailey Garland, signing off with some encouragement for your day. Be not afraid. You artists who perceive in yourselves this kind of divine spark. As poet, writer, actor, architect, sculptor, musician, feel the obligation not to waste this talent, but to develop it, to put it at the service of your neighbor and of humanity as a whole. May the beauty which you pass on to generations still to come be such that it will stir them to wonder. Society needs you, artists. The world in which we live needs beauty. Beauty.